Welcome to College Football Live, presented by Zillow. The emotion and the hype and the buildup makes college football college football. The five touchdowns, Ryan Williams. Wow, did he score that? He does. Are we ever going to talk to a happy coach <laughs> again? Are we five and zero? Oh? All right. We're sitting at four and one, and we haven't played close to our best. I think there's a lot of optimism in that. Did he feel his shoulder? He's definitely favoring it. Bryce Young is yes, going sir. in the tent. Touchdown, Alabama! His team gets a win. I'm not messing with the Horn Frog. Neither is Oklahoma today. You now give Missouri some credit. These kids came out here and fought today. And when you play on the road in the SEC, it's one of the tough places to play. And Clemson punctuates an impressive payback victory over the Wolfpack. That was fun. How about that Valley tonight? What a wild week five in college football. We saw two more head coaches lose their jobs. Paul Christ is out at Wisconsin after a two and three start. And Colorado parted ways with their head coach Carl Durrell after a winless start. We also saw some notable injuries, including Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. He is day-to-day -day after suffering a sprained AC joint against Arkansas. We'll talk about what that means for the Tide. And Oklahoma, one of ten ranked teams to lose on Saturday. One more than we saw in the previous two weeks combined. Perhaps none more surprising than number 17 Texas A&M losing to unranked Mississippi State. And now with that, we'll take a look at this week's college football rankings brought to you by Capital One. Alabama moves ahead of Georgia to reclaim that top spot. And undefeated Ole Miss and Penn State both cracked the top ten for the first time this season. Wendy Nix, Greg McElroy, and Joey Galloway with you for College Football Live. Happy to have you with us. And we start as we continue to follow the headlines out of Tuscaloosa, which concern all about the health of the quarterback, Bryce Young. Again, uh, he is considered day-to-day -day head coach Nick Saban, indicating that the quarterback suffered a sprained AC joint that was in the win over Arkansas. He says it's not expected to have long-term ramifications. Alabama, as I mentioned before, took over that number one spot, host Texas A&M on Saturday. Here's the head coach with more. He's got a little bit of a shoulder injury. It's not a long-term, you know, type injury. Uh, he's going to be day-to-day -day, uh, when he can get back to, you know, throwing. Um, and we'll just have to evaluate it day-to-day. -day. So I can't, I can't tell you if that's going to be today, tomorrow, or the next day. The thing about great competitors, and Bryce is a great competitor, is they always want to make a play. They're, they're going to go to the last nth degree to make a play. But sometimes you got to know when there's no play to be made. And now it's time to not put myself at risk. There are times, Greg, and you know this, that you have to protect a player from himself. But let's start with that specific injury. How this would affect exactly what Bryce needs to do, especially where his throwing motion is concerned. Well, I think the biggest thing is, can it get worse? That's the first thing that needs to be addressed. If it can get worse, then you run the risk of obviously having to make the decision, do I play or do I not play? That's the first thing that needs to get addressed here in the next couple days. If he does decide to play, how do you deal with pain management? That's the second part of the equation. Because if you're dealing with pain, like he did on this particular throw, trying to hit Treshawn Holden right over the middle, 
And then as he delivered the football, you saw a little bit of a grimace and you saw that arm kind of go flat. And then he ran to the sidelines in frustration through his helmet and never returned to the game. When you try to put extra velocity on the football and you're dealing with a sprain to your shoulder, it's very, very hard to drive the ball down the field and drive it with the same level of command that you normally would when sitting at 100%. So this is a considerable injury. And if it has an effect, Wendy, on his potential ability to drive the football with velocity, then I wouldn't be surprised to see them go with Jalen Milrow, who offered a bit of a spark in the run game. Well, and look, that's exactly what they will do. Jalen Milrow will be the starter if Bryce Young cannot play. And Nick Saban was also asked if there'd be any changes or additional offensive packages in for the backup quarterback. Here's what he said. We already have one. So... You want us to put a new one together now just because he might play or use the old one? I mean, we can do either one. I mean, I'll, I'll go talk to the offensive coaches and see. Again, you know, I don't talk to Jimbo on a regular basis, but I'll call him and tell him right after the conference if you want me to. I mean, you guys think I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with our offense and our team? You, you, you might as well make it up. All right, then, a little testy this afternoon. Milrow, if you're wondering, a redshirt freshman from Katy, Texas. He ranked 112th in the 2021 ESPN 300 class and was named to the 2021 Under Armour All-American roster. And before Saturday, he played in just seven games at the collegiate level while completing 60% of his passes. Having said all of that, and given what you heard Greg say, Joey, is starting Milrow the smart play here for Alabama? Um, I don't think it's the smart play unless Bryce Young can't go. Uh, I had an AC joint back a couple years ago when I played. They're extremely painful. Uh, now, I didn't play quarterback, but my shoulder was killing me. Uh, from what I understood back then, now, things change. But a couple years ago, the idea was you couldn't do anything to make it worse if you played with it. Now, it's extremely painful. They said you can get a shot down in that joint uh, to take the pain away. I'm scared of needles, so I didn't take the shot. I just dealt with the pain. But again, I didn't play quarterback. So if Bryce Young can go and play in this game, then absolutely go play. But again, I would be very surprised. If it's an AC joint and he doesn't get a shot in it, I'd be very surprised if he can go play quarterback and throw the ball uh, with, with any kind of velocity or accuracy if that is what he has. Well, what I find comical is that you referenced not once, but twice in that answer when you played a, quote, couple years ago, more like a couple, couple decades ago. ago. But, it will, yeah, we'll, we'll more we can focus on the specifics, uh, you know, at a later date. Uh, more on who Jalen Milrow is. Look, this guy is a dynamic weapon. He's the most explosive player on the team. He's the fastest player on the team and was, according to people with more familiarity about the situation than I, he was the fastest player on the team last year. That's right, Jamison Williams was on the team last year, and Jalen Milrow, that right, was faster than Jamison Williams. Now, is that all accurate? I don't know. All I know is that this young man is extremely dynamic. Now, he's not a bad thrower. He actually throws with great velocity, and he throws a really tight spiral. However, the top-level accuracy is not necessarily going to be there if he becomes the starting quarterback for an extended period of time. However... He, is, can, he can do an awful lot in the quarterback run game. He can do an awful lot, I think, as far as keeping defenses on him with zone reads. 
But the passing game will suffer a little bit because the top-level accuracy, especially when pushing the ball down the field, is not what you've come to expect from Bama quarterbacks the last, fully, last few years. And the sample size is still small. And if you missed it, Bryce Young, consider day-to-day. So we don't know just yet. But again, uh, certainly a possibility that he will not make the start against A&M. Let's take a look at other some notable injuries around the FBS. Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter out a week or two. That's their distinction with an injured MCL. Clemson defensive tackle Brian Brzee won't play Saturday as he recovers from a kidney infection. And Ohio State running back Travion Henderson is expected to play this after missing last week with an undisclosed injury. Time now for this week's ultimate performance presented by BMW. Mississippi State earned win number six as an AP-ranked opponent under Mike Leach. The Aggies, on the other hand, allowed nearly as many points on Saturday, 42, as they did through their first four games this season combined. Jimbo was asked Monday about getting his team to relax. Relaxing is not it. It's practicing with habits, and so you have confidence to play. You say relax. Relax is your confidence comes from working hard and doing it every day and knowing you can do it, and you don't practice it until you do it right. You practice it until you can't do it wrong. A lot of times you can do it right, but how many times can you not do it wrong? That's the key, how consistent you can be. Everybody says relax. Well, everybody can relax. Take a deep breath and relax. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, that's not confidence is what allows you to play well. And that, and you practice well, then you have confidence and you play well. Well, I see his point, but I would argue not everybody can relax. We just saw Nick Saban. I'm not sure he's relaxing anytime soon. Uh, but listen, Joey, uh, Greg, sometimes it's best to keep it simple. What's wrong with A&M? Uh, well, they have a whole host of issues right now, if I'm going to be completely honest. It starts with their quarterback position uh, and partly their inability to really create a lot of one-on-ones on the outside. They're not very creative when it comes to their offensive plan. I don't feel like their quarterbacks have been real decisive. You look at both guys, while yes, Haynes King has actually created more yards per attempt, but he also has come with critical and catastrophic mistakes, not just four interceptions, but he's also put the ball on the deck a couple times too when they played against App State a few weeks ago, his last start prior to being benched in favor of Max Johnson. Max Johnson, while has done a little bit better job than Haynes King and being methodical within the offense, it doesn't really have the big play capability that it's had in the past. So I think this offense has a lot of issues right now, especially now that they're without Anaya Smith, who is their best matchup nightmare on the perimeter at wide receiver. So, Joey, they have a whole bunch of issues on the offensive side of the football, from play calling to personnel to creating matchups. You name it, they got it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why there's so much talk about the quarterback position. Uh, and when you have all the issues you just, you just mentioned, it doesn't make it any easier for a quarterback, whichever guy you put in there. Uh, the other part of it is, and I mentioned this before we discussed Texas A&M, is their lack of success on first down. And so if you always have second and long, third and long, that is not a comfortable place for a quarterback to get in a rhythm of a game. Their offense looks like it has no rhythm, uh, and, and that a lot of times happens when you don't have success on first down because now you're second and ten. You have to find a way to throw the ball with a quarterback that might not be comfortable, and then you get in a third and long situation, so there's just no success there. They only converted two-third downs in the game, and you mentioned the turnovers. They turned it over four times. And so you convert two-third downs, turnover four times, 
you basically are going to lose the football game. And that's what Texas A&M is right now. There's a lot of issues there, and I don't know that it matters which quarterback is in because the whole thing looks like a mess right now, and they have to find a way to get a rhythm going to, to do that for the quarterback, for the play caller, and for the entire offense. All right, ask a question. What's wrong with the Aggies? All of it, you say. Fair enough. That does not bode well for the weekend uh, because it certainly doesn't get any easier. Still to come on College Football Live, they've made a change, a move in Madison. More on the Badgers' decision to part ways with their head coach and why the timing was right, right now. College Football Live is presented by Zillow. There's no place like Zillow. Welcome back to College Football Live, presented by Zillow. Paul Christ is out at Wisconsin. University officials announced on Sunday that Christ had been removed five games in to his eighth season as the Badgers head coach. Defensive coordinator Jim Leonard was named interim head coach. ESPN senior writer Adam Rittenberg broke this story. And Adam, I feel like I've asked this a number of times this season when we talk about head coaches, and that is why now? Why did Wisconsin believe they had to do this right this minute? Well, Wendy, athletic director Chris McIntosh, his job is to look at where the program is and where it's headed in the future. And he saw a program that had gone 15 and 10 since making its last Big Ten championship in 2019. He saw a program that wasn't making enough progress offensively and at the quarterback position. He saw a program that was losing games that was that they just typically don't lose at Wisconsin. And that's why you get rid of a coach who had won 72% of a game, his games, had won multiple New Year's Six Bowls, had gotten to the Big Ten championship game three times a very difficult decision but looking forward it was hard to make the case Wisconsin was on a good trajectory okay that being said they're obviously looking to find someone who will put them on the right track who's in mind well, interim coach Jim Leonard is not your typical interim coach. He was always looked at as the potential successor to Paul Chris. He's turned down a number of jobs, including the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator role to stay at his alma mater. So Wisconsin has set him up to possibly get this job, but they have to show improvement in their final seven games under his leadership. He talked about how difficult the emotional state of the team is right now. If it's not Leonard, look to Lance Leipold at Kansas. 5-0 and for the first time since 2009. He's a Wisconsin native he won a bunch of national titles at wisconsin whitewater and even coached at the university of wisconsin early in his career and then also a couple of former badger defensive coordinators in power five roles right now dave aranda at baylor and dave doran at nc state if they want previous head coaching experience those two guys could certainly get some calls from from chris mcintosh in the coming weeks adam thank you lance leipold's by the way his name keeps popping up every time we have one of these coaching jobs open we appreciate it uh, Greg McElroy, I know you're back with us. Let me ask your initial take on Wisconsin's decision. Uh, this is the easiest coaching search of all time. Uh, it should be, at least, if they handle it appropriately. The timing makes a ton of sense because now you get ample amounts of games to be able to assess whether or not Jim Leonard's capable of taking over the job. Like I'm, I'm as optimistic about Jim Leonard as anybody. I played with him at the New York Jets 
This guy is a savant. Rex Ryan makes defenses impossible to understand. And the only guy that could do it all the time was Jim Leonard. The guy has a great feel and a great understanding. Plus, he played there. He's turned down other jobs. You now have seven games being able to assess whether or not he's capable of taking this game over. If he does not perform well in the next seven games, then you politely say, hey, Jim, we really appreciate all that you've done, but we're going to go hire Lance Leipold. The guy won six national championships at Wisconsin Whitewater. And I would assume, and he's never made this publicly stated, but I would assume it's his dream job. He's from Wisconsin, has great roots in the state of Wisconsin, and has Kansas on the cusp of a potential breakthrough season. So it's very, very simple. It's one of two guys. It's Jim Leonard, and in success, you remove the interim tag, or you move along to Lance Leipold, who's an incredible coach in his own right and already a college football Hall of Famer. Well, and again, Leonard has seven games with which to make his case. It's interesting, though, these early decisions and huge buyouts, and there's been a lot of checks written, really have become the norm in college football. That has prompted a number of current head coaches to be asked to weigh in. It's, it's, it's become much more nature of the beast for our profession with the uh, salaries and television contracts and the amount of money that people make. The expectations go up, and uh, administration makes decisions much quicker, and that's their right to do it. You know, It's not necessarily the best thing for maybe for our profession, but uh, it comes with the territory. There's kind of unwritten laws about not tampering. But, that's take, but the tampering's taken place. And I think they feel like that they want to get a head start. You know, the interesting thing is some of them, the buyouts double or, or they get cut in half if it's just like two months later or three months later and people don't care. They just roll with it. He's not wrong. So far, universities have been willing to pay the price. Here's a look at the buyouts for the five FBS coaches who have been fired so far this season. Former Nebraska coach Scott Frost tops that list with his $15 million buyout. That would have decreased significantly had they waited just a few weeks. And with the combined total of the five coaches exceeding $56 million. That's a lot of money, Joey. Of course, the sport also generating a lot of dollars for these respective institutions. But uh, what do you make of this? I think it's fair to call it a trend at this point that schools will make the decision whenever they're ready to make the decision. I hate to see it go this way, uh, but it seems like we're just moving that direction. I, I think part of it is uh, we have the early signing period now with the recruiting, so obviously that's a big piece. And every time a job comes up, you only hear a couple names, and, and Coach Leipold is one of those that, that Greg just talked about at Kansas. Uh, Urban Meyer's name pops up. When, when the Nebraska job was open, uh, Urban Meyer's uh, name popped up in every corner of every building on the campus of Nebraska somehow. So because there's only a few names out there nowadays that everybody wants to go after, uh, I think a lot of these guys are like, let's get in now uh, to try to get in on the process before uh, Nebraska or you know makes their move. So if I'm Wisconsin, I want to hurry up and get into this fight also. Uh, but I, I think the trend that we're headed to with firing these guys in the middle of the season and what are you doing, I think Wisconsin, just like Greg said, is interesting because of Jim Leonard. They can look at what's next there. But I think the rest of these teams are just looking to get in on whatever's left out there uh, in these coaching searches. Yeah, I would agree. Wisconsin seems to be a bit of a different situation given they really want to give one guy an opportunity to win the job. But, boy, uh, there have been some significant dollars spent to move on. Uh, time now to take a look at our Capital One fan vote. The question, which unbeaten top 10 team was the most impressive on Saturday? If you look at the numbers now, Alabama holding a narrow lead over Oklahoma State. Do not forget to cast your vote on Twitter.com slash ESPN College Football. Still ahead, we 
might, will we, should we, can we have a big shakeup in the Big 12? Or will it be the usual suspects? Some surprising teams still in the mix. We will tell you what we make of it all coming up. College Football Live is presented by Zillow. There's no place like Zillow. Showdown, Texas and Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl, noon Eastern. The Sooners are three and two after losing to TCU. The Longhorns also three and two, but could get quarterback Quinn Ewers back for this one. Here's a look at the entire Big 12 schedule for Week Six. 17th-ranked TCU in Lawrence to face Kansas. Down in Stillwater, number seven Oklahoma State will host Texas Tech, and finally, number 20 Kansas State against Iowa State at 7:30 Eastern on ESPNU. We are five weeks into the season. That means perceptions can change. Greg, who's your front runner in the Big 12? Right now, I'm taking Oklahoma State. I love how their quarterback's playing. And, hey, I'm not going to lose a ton of sleep over how their defense performed in the first three or four weeks of the season. But, man, it felt like they took a significant step forward last week when playing against a really high-quality Baylor team. They got a comfortable lead. They kind of sat on it. Baylor made it interesting. But, man, I'm telling you, Oklahoma State, to me, has the right recipe of what they can do on offense and what they might be able to do on defense, assuming they can continue to improve on that side of the ball, Joey. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, somewhere else, Greg, because Oklahoma State's ranked in the top ten, so that's no fun. Uh, but I do love <laughs> what this conference has become, and, and I, I, give you, I gave you credit before about early in the season. You said this conference is going to be fun to watch and see what happens. When you look at Texas, Oklahoma not being at the top, sitting there with two losses apiece, and, and teams like Kansas and, and TCU and Kansas State are up here and they're ranked in the big game this weekend with Kansas and TCU is the one that I'm excited to sit down and watch. I'm going to go with the winner of that game is going to separate itself from the other teams. All right, I like it. Don't give me a name, give me a game, and the winner moves on. It's a fair point. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch Kansas turning heads all season long. We'll be back tomorrow at 4.30 Eastern on ESPN2. See you then.